This is season three of the Dundeal Football Podcast. And in this season, I'm going to be talking mainly about my football industry and covered course I did on YouTube um, towards the beginning of this year. I touch on loads of interesting topics, including football transfers, player contracts, boot deals explained, what goes into an image rights contract, FFP, player football agency, third party investments, etc. Hope there's loads of good content for you to get stuck into. And as always, let me have your comments, your feedback. I very much hope you enjoy it. Happy listening. So uh, let's talk about briefly, uh, by way of recap, um, what we talked about on day one of the agents, um, uh, on uh, the agents element was um, that actually you and usually agents are incredibly well networked, um, having to be extremely good negotiators, um, having to um, problem solve, find solutions, um, do tons of the dirty work, tons of the heavy lifting, um, and usually it's actually pretty difficult to get um, a deal over the line. And yesterday, what we actually talked about, again, if you remember, was the material parts of a representation contract. And the material parts of a, um, a player-agent rep contract can be the details, exclusivity, um, length, commission rate, scope of the um, representation contract, does it include on-field and off-field, dispute resolution, um, does it work for particular territories, is the subcontracting, etc. So that's part of the, um, uh, the summary of what we talked about previously. It's pretty hard being an agent and it's important to be clued up on the rules, but also on what um, needs to be put into a representation contract. And today, what I'm going to spend uh, the next 10 minutes or so before the questions um, is more or less trying to explain who actually pays agents. So um, I'm going to go slow on a couple of parts because it's important just to let a little bit sink in. I'm going to try and give a few figures and a few examples, and then we can do some questions as well as we, um, as we continue on. So it might sound simple enough to suggest that an agent um, gets around 5 to 10% um, of a player's basic wage by way of commission. But usually the difficult part to explain is who actually um, pays the agent. Now, the, 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 the usual practice, at least in the US, but which isn't normal practice in the UK, um, is that um, in the US, the player, the talent pays his agent for the services and uh, the commission that, um, for the work that they've been basically been undertaking for. But that's a very different situation um, to the UK and a lot of mainland Europe as well. And that's because the vast majority of Premier League and top-end football league transfers, at least in my experience anyway, involve the buying club paying the player's agent. So the club is paying the player's agent. The details can vary, and there are a few different strategies and a bit of detail below. And it does involve a little bit of tax, but not really too much. But hopefully you can understand um the specifics so the basic example which usually doesn't occur is that the player pays so in my experience i haven't seen too many instances where a, a player will pay his agent his or her agent for the work that they have undertaken for a transfer or a contract renegotiation so in very limited circumstances when dealing with player uh, premier league transfers 
a player may pay his agent for finalising the transfer. And that's because the basic position is under a player's representation contract with his agent, as we talked about yesterday. The player may be obliged to pay, for example, 5% of what will usually be his gross basic wage. But that doesn't happen too often. But if I give you an example, let's just say a player is paid £2 million per year. The agent will receive £100,000 per year. Let's say that's 5%. And that will come from the player per year in one annual payment. So that's the very basic position. If a player pays his agent, which almost always doesn't happen in my experience, that would be how it would work. Now, the second approach, which is almost always a nuanced version of the third approach, which we'll talk about in a second, but let's just do it by graduations for the moment, is the second approach, which is the club pays as part of the transfer arrangement. So club pays. So in practice, even if the player is required to pay his agent as set out in their rep contract, so let's say the rep contract says, player, you will pay 5% commission to the agent, the player's agent can negotiate that the club pays the agent on the player's behalf. So I'll just say that again. The player's agent can negotiate that the club pays the agent on the player's behalf, i.e. instead of the player. This benefit means the player doesn't need to pay his agent. However, paying an amount on a player's behalf in the UK is classed as a benefit-in-kind payment by the tax authorities, and the player will pay tax on the payment by the club to the agent. So if I give you an example, a player's paid £2 million, so we do the same one. A player's paid £2 million a year. The agent receives 100000 which is 5%. From the club but the club are paying it on the player's behalf as a benefit to the player now what will happen there is although the player isn't paying anything to his agent because that's a taxable benefit the player will have a tax charge to pay which is usually just under 50 percent 47 percent as an income tax level of that amount so even though the player isn't paying his agent, the player will still have to pay £47,000 to the tax authorities for each year that his agent, his or her agent, receives that commission. So that's the second example where, in a straightforward way, the club will pay all of the commission by way of a benefiting kind for acting for the player. What tends to happen in practice is that the club pays because the agent is acting for the buying club as well. So I'll try and go slow again. Sometimes the buying club will pay the player's agent to act on its behalf during a transfer too. And you may well think that that is a conflict of interest and you'd be right. And in such a scenario, the player has to agree that his agent can work for both sides. I'll try and explain the reason, one of the tax reasons why this can sometimes be the case. So let's just say again, the player's paid £2 million a year. The agent will be paid for the work he or she does for the club and the work that he or she does for the player. So the agent will then receive £50,000, so 2.5% 
from the club for work done on their behalf, on the club's behalf, i.e. £50,000 for club services, and then the other 2.5%, the other £50,000 from the club on behalf of the player, i.e. for player services. And without getting too complicated, and there can be some variations of that, most of the deals that I see are variations of that. Now, the reason why it's important then just to separate those two examples is, in example two, the second example, the player is required to pay tax on £100,000 paid by the club on his behalf, which I sort of set out before. In the latest example, the player will be paying tax only on the £50,000 of the portion for work that was being undertaken on his behalf. Therefore, that reduces the player's tax bill. So instead of paying 47% of 100,000, he is paying 47% of 50,000. Now, to justify the 50,000 pound fee that the player's agent is undertaking club services, the agent will have to demonstrate that they did work on behalf of the club. And that's usually set out in a separate representation contract between the player, the club, and the agent. So usually in that instance, there will be the underlying rep contract between the player and his agent or her agent. And then there will also be, because if the club is going to pay the player's agent for club services, there will then be what's called a tripartite agreement between the player, the club and the agent. So, um, and, and to give it a little bit more context as well, um, we talked over the last few days as well about the FIFA reforms to all of this. And at present, FIFA at least has said, even though it looks like an agent can't work sell side, i.e. selling club side, buying club side, and for the player at the same time, it looks like it will still be permitted to be able to, what, to act for the player and the buying club at the same time because they specifically said in their um, initial proposals that if the, the agent was going to do that, act for the player and the buy side, they could do and take 3% from player and 3% from buying club. So that's more or less the, um, the situation as to the complicated nature of, um, of how commission is paid um, to agents in football in the UK. Now, there can be variations of that across the continent and across continents. But in my experience, that's what tends to happen. Now, there have been instances in the past as well where HMRC, the tax authorities, have looked into particular practices because you can just imagine, in the same way as we talked about image rights deals, and that being too far weighted in terms of as a proportion of the total pay that a player was receiving, a disproportionate amount was going through his image rights company, let's say 70%, and then only 30% was going through his employment PAYE contract. In the same way, in terms of agents' fees, what HMRC has been um, quite specific on over the years is effectively um, trying to ensure that the services that are being provided um, are actually being provided. So, for example, in the past, there were instances potentially that I read about and was reported where, um, if let's just say we take the, those examples where um, the commission is £100,000, 
if, for example, the club say, well, we'll pay £90,000 for club services to the agent and then £10,000 for player services to the agent, then the player is only being taxed as 47% on the 10%. But if, for example, there is no club services and it's all being paid by the club for player services, then he's being paid, then he's being taxed 47% on a hundred thousand, which is obviously quite a big difference. So the tax authorities have been quite specific about in particular instances saying, well, hold on a bit, explain to me, agent, why the percentage splits are such that it's 50-50 or 60-40 or 70-30. Usually anything more than a 50-50 split um, uh, may bring up issues for um, the tax authorities. But obviously it's pretty vital that if the, the agent, the player's agent, is working for the club, that they are undertaking club services and that they are effectively able to be able, they are able to show that and demonstrate that they have undertaken those services. So 50 minutes just about up. Uh, let's go and see if we can get um, those uh, answers to the quiz question. Um, let's see what we came up with. So if you remember, the question was between February 18 and the end of January 19, the total 20 Premier League club spend on agents was. So let's just have a look to see people's amounts. So we've got uh, 189, 670, 467, 58 million, 500 million, 260 million, 260. Oliver Finlay said a lot. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, so you would be pleased to know that uh, Marco um, got the right figure. So it was £260 million pounds just before Francesco. So apologies, Francesco. Um, Marco, I've got a feeling you might already have the book though, pal. But um, yes, and that's where you might got the answer from. But um, well done. And if you need another copy, then more than happy to um, oblige. So yep. The answer was £260 million spent on agents' fees. Okay, let's go and do some questions. So let's start them off. So uh, Stephen, thanks, Steve. Who pays when a veteran re-signs an extension with the current club, i.e. Um, Kane with Spurs? Well, I'm not sure he's a veteran just yet, but he's certainly a, a club stalwart, that's for sure, been there for a while. Um, for any renegotiation of a um, employment contract, that would be classed as a transaction, and therefore Kane's agent would be entitled um, to commission, and that commission would almost always be paid by Spurs, um, and Spurs would tend to split those that commission across uh, player services and um, club services. So that's the the basic position there. The question that can sometimes come along, which is an interesting point as well, is. Usually agents are paid in installments too. Usually, sometimes um, you can get a lot up front, but otherwise not. If um, the player, the agent is paid in installments and then let's just say two years later, a renegotiation of a contract happens then, there can be a question about whether the agent, if there are still outstanding installments due, whether the agent should still be receiving those outstanding installments plus any new installments or once the negotiation of the contract happens, and a new instalment plan for potential um, uh, commission is to be paid, whether those old instalments 
fall away and don't become payable anymore? And that's one question that does crop up sometimes. I know that's certainly something Dr. Urquhart um, has talked about a lot. Um, okay, I believe you're going ahead with your session tomorrow at four, and maybe that might be a good question to um, chat about as well. I'd be keen to hear more about that too. Um, Joseph, uh, watching you whilst cooking dinner. Thank you for doing that. I'm glad you're a better multitasker than me. That's cool. Um, Arya, why does the player need to still pay tax when the club's paying the agent? So the reason why that's the case is it's it's almost similar to a company car or health insurance is that because someone else is paying on your behalf, you, the, the player, is still receiving that benefit of not having to pay. So you still have to pay tax on someone else paying on your behalf is the short answer. And that's why that can happen. But it does lead to a, a particular point I wanted to actually raise, which was what does happen on occasion and sometimes quite a lot is that foreign agents and foreign players coming into the UK um, don't actually realise that there is a tax charge to a benefit in kind payment. So it can sometimes be two or three years after the player has left the UK even um, that HMRC is still sending letters asking for that money um, because ultimately um, maybe the, 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 the player and his agent hasn't taken tax advice, accountancy advice to understand that they are required to pay that money and that can actually leave really really significant bills and a lot of the time um, you know lawyers and accountants and tax advisors have to pick up the pieces to try and work out um, payment plans with um, HMRC for the player to pay back or rather pay the tax that is due on those benefit in kind payments. Um, question from uh, Marco sort of second ago yep what if the agent is not also working for the buying club, i.e. just for the player? Does the club still pay the 5%? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it, it can certainly be the case that the agent can just work for the... Um, oh, sorry, what if the agent is not sorry, what, not working for buying club, just for player? Yeah, it can be that way as well. The club can still pay the 5%. And in that case, what will happen is because there are no club services, the player will have to pay... 47% or the equivalent percentage of tax rate on um, the, the benefit in kind commission. Uh, question from Steve again. Uh, suppose a player were to refuse to allow his agent to work for the club as well. What would the agent forego? What new, what new work would another attorney do on behalf of the club in lieu of the agent? I'm not sure the second. What new work would the, uh, another attorney do on behalf of the club? Oh. Well, um, I think for the first bit, it is possible for the player to refuse to allow his agent to work for the club. It is a possibility that that could happen. He can refuse to waive um, on the, the football association forms. Um, but ultimately, it is in his interest to do that because so long as it's legitimate and the, the agent is fulfilling particular club services, um, the agency fee and the um, tax that he will have to pay, the player will have to pay, will be reduced. Um, and on the second question, sorry, Steve, what new, what new work would another attorney do on behalf of the club in lieu of the agent? So I think you're saying that if, if no one was working for the buying club, what would the lawyer do? Not, it wouldn't necessarily be that. A lot of the services that 
the agent would be providing to the buying club would be to make sure you're acting in good faith, bring the the player to the table, act in be best interests of all parties, etc. Um, there can be those type of services, and there also can be ongoing services, which would be to make sure that the player isn't unsettled, that um, the player is acting in good faith, um, that. Um, any issues that are dealt with are dealt with correctly between all the different parties, etc. So there are obligations and services being undertaken at the time of the transaction and then obviously going forward as well. Marco, uh, where can you find the agent player club contract, i.e. template? So um, I will just try and find a link to it just as I finish. So Marco, if you stay online, I can provide that link. But basically, if you search on Google for um, FA, so football association intermediaries and then representation contract. There are three or four, two or three different representation contracts depending on particular scenarios and they can be found there. Um, Javier, uh, in the American system, when you're an agent, the league pays the agent. Okay, yeah, really interesting. And uh, yeah, I know that that um, can sometimes be the case and that can sometimes cause some um, tax issues there. Um, Sino, um, can you recommend any readings or short course on image rights? There's a great book um, called um, Football and the Law. It's published by Bloomsbury and it's edited by um, a great lawyer called uh, Nick DeMarco. Um, there's quite a large section um, there on image rights that I'd recommend. The other one, which is a bit heftier one, but I just because I was doing some research on it today, is um, sports law and practice it's quite a detailed practitioner heavy book um, but there's quite a very good there is a very good section on image rights in there the last thing I would also say is um, there's some great pieces on um, a fantastic website called lawinsport.com and that's from one of my good friends Sean Cottrell who's the founder there um, there's some great pieces on image rights in particular countries and how things work um, in practice uh, Javier, it's more a straight line concept and in terms of delays of payments, it's likely to be minimal. Is there a way, a clause, so to avoid delays in Europe? Uh, ah, um, do you mean, I'm not sure, do you mean, if you mean delays in payment, um, I'm, I'm not sure, usually there have to be particular dates that are set out for payment. And there's an interesting point going on at the moment, really, with obviously everything going on in the world right now and the financial implications of that. Um, there's a query about whether agents, you know, are going to get paid on time, whether transfer fee installments are going to get paid on time, etc. So, uh, yeah, that's tricky. Um, Crow, uh, why is it 47%? I believe that's the amount, um, which is the higher income tax rate plus national insurance contribution. I believe that's what it is. Um, Marco, Dana, have your book, please give it to Francesco. That's absolutely good. Francesco, if you can just email me afterwards or send me a message, I'll be more than happy to send a copy. Um, next, we've got, uh, sorry, I've lost track. Um, there's, quite, oh Christ, there's loads of questions coming out, which is great. Um, Alex Gibson, could you go over the example of the 2.5% split again, please? Yeah, so I can I can mention it pretty briefly. It's in the book as well. The point is, is that sometimes what and usually what happens is if you can imagine I'm the agent for the player and what what tends to happen in deals is I will provide club services 
to the club and I will provide player services to the player. And what happens then is that the £100,000, instead of it just being for player services, is for club services as well. So £50,000 gets allocated for club services and £50,000 for player services. And that effectively means that for the player-related amount, the player only has to pay or only has to pay tax on that amount, but doesn't have to pay tax on the club amount because that those services are being implemented for the club. Um, Oliver, the incentive for an agent is then for a player to move clubs regularly. And it seems from the outside to happen that some agents do look to unsettle their player towards the end of their contract. Um, it depends. Sometimes that isn't the incentive is the truth. And that's part of the reason why clubs will want to try and um, input um, um, installments, commission installments. So the commission isn't paid up front. It's maybe paid over two or three years. Because what tends to happen is that if a player moves, if, let's just say a year and a half, two years into his contract, an agent might still have outstanding commission installments due. Now, unless it's they are those payments are guaranteed, query sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, there is an incentive for the agent not necessarily to move the player because he may still be or he or she may still have a number of installments due based on the current contract. Now, the argument sometimes is, well, if you move the player, then they'll get new installments on the new contract. That's fine. But effectively, the, the agent then isn't being paid the full amount for the previous deal and for the work that he had done for that. So sometimes the incentive isn't necessarily to move the, uh, to move the, the player. Depends ultimately how those installments are particularly um, structured. Um, Aria, uh, is that what happened with Neymar, Sanchez and Messi in Spain with the tax authorities in relation to my earlier question on tax? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I think that was more to do with image rights rather than agents tax. But I'm, yeah, I'm not sure on that, I'm afraid. Um, I'm just going to try and do a few other questions. Um, Erka, thanks for your great insight into the payment regulations for agents. Um, Sam Smith, in practice, um, when does the agent receive their fee from, for example, the selling club? Does it come straight out of the transfer fee or would the agent expect it before the transfer fee is paid? Great question again. Um, usually um, it can be, uh, it can sometimes be a lump sum fee um, within a certain amount of time after the transfer fee has been paid to the selling club. If the transfer fee is being paid in installments, sometimes it can then be a percentage of the transfer fee when received in those installments. So sometimes the um, agent acting for the selling club may receive 5% of um, you know, the transfer fee first installment and then may receive 5% of the transfer fee second installment if that's in a year and then et cetera, et cetera. So that's how it tends to, how it tends to work. Um, Urquhart. I believe the US way is right. Agents should be paid by the players directly and the players can agree with the agents the percentage of the payments. Yeah, and I think um, I can understand why that makes a lot of sense to, um, to most. I think the issue here is I actually think there needs to be a more fundamental um, um, rejig of the way that um, players are treated as um, uh, as talent and um, uh, on their annual return because at the moment my understanding is at least is that players can't deduct commission that they would otherwise pay to their agent as a deductible expense out of their annual return 
And that ultimately is the issue, is that if agent, if players could deduct that as an expense, I think the whole system would potentially change and we wouldn't need to get into the situation potentially where clubs have to pay agents on players' behalf and then the player is paying tax on the benefit in kind rather than paying the full amount in commission, whatever that rate is, and then deducting it each year from their annual return, their annual tax return. And I think that's part of the, the issue there. A uh, couple more questions. Mazar, there have been instances where agents want their payments in a country abroad. How does that club shield itself from those circumstances? Yeah, um, it, th there can be lots of national legislation which more or less governs um, how payments can be made into particular jurisdictions now. Uh, and that can be quite a complicated thing. Um, usually clubs will try and push back on those amounts being paid to um, um, offshore entities for lots of different um, possible money laundering, criminal enterprise or otherwise or shielding or tax particular issues. So, um, yeah, totally right there. Uh, David, players tend to feel bad about this tax, especially when agents do not inform them about it. Once you have mentioned that an agent can add a clause to his contract to deal with P11D tax. Yeah, so what, what yeah, agreed. I mean, the best position is agents tell the player, either pay me 100% um, of the commission or pay 47% of the tax or whatever that amount might be to the tax authorities. And if you're going to go with 100% or 47% or the equivalent, then usually the, the player's on the whole fine with it, as long as you can put it aside. The two ways that you can deal with it and Dr. Eckert can maybe explain that in some detail as well, is you can sometimes have what's called a gross-up clause if you're in a very strong negotiation position as the player, where you can ask for an additional bonus to pay the tax that's payable on the annual return to HMRC. The other alternative is to get the tax code right in the pay-ye system with the club to make sure that actually the tax comes out at source. So the tax gets paid on a monthly prorated basis so that the player doesn't have that tax to pay in a lump at the end of the season or the end of the financial year, basically. Um, but it gets um, paid on a monthly basis. And for my view, I actually think that is the much better way of doing it, where the default position for all clubs should be that um, through the PayYE system, that P11D tax payment to HMRC is catered for. Um, we've got uh, quite a few questions going on here. I'll try and do a few more because we're getting to over 30 minutes. Um, Sam Smith, um, are there any common methods by which the tax liability can be mitigated for the player services or is the player generally stuck with paying 47%? Yeah, I don't know too many others. That, that tends to be that. Um, Dr. Erker, agents don't inform their players, i.e. read the tax implications, because some simply don't know about it. Agreed, especially foreign agents bringing players to the Premier League. Some just don't spend money on lawyers. I completely agree. That's why it's very important to get a good lawyer and a good accountant and some good tax guys. Um, Sino, will the agent receive outstanding instalment payments if player leaves before the end of the contract is up? It simply depends on the contract. Sometimes the agents won't receive that. So I always try and negotiate that all of the agent's fees, if they're done in installments, are guaranteed. And that if a player moves um, whilst there are still installments to be paid, that all of those installments then get paid as a result of that transfer actually happening. Um, 
Ben Gibson, Ben, hey pal, um, clubs don't do enough to help players with the tax and financial side of the deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it just it's different club to club. But I agree that I think better uh, as much communication as possible between the player agents and club and getting that done stuff done would, would really help. Miles, uh, in practice, do agents tend to work with the same lawyers, i.e. in respect of contractual matters, tax, etc.? Do you, for example, tend to work on transactions involving the same group of agents? Yeah, so I, I tend to have probably about um, 10 to 15 agencies that have a range of agents working for them and then a range of players. Um, and I'll try and get involved in everything from the transfers, to the employment contracts to commercial matters, to image rights, to disputes, to reputation management, et cetera. So yeah, uh, that's that. Um, and I think we are almost there. So yeah, Dr. Erka, a good agent who thinks first for his client would have lawyers and tax advisors always included in the signing of contracts to protect his client and himself as well. Unfortunately, not very common. And the point there is on a lot of the tax related stuff, if it's image rights related, they can be deductible expenses out of the image rights company as well, which then uh, is an expense really out of the profit or um, any monies that need to be taken out of the image rights company and by way of annual return to. Okay, uh, that's uh, 36 minutes. It's been a great session, fantastic questions. Really enjoyed today. Um, I actually don't have a book to recommend today. I hadn't even thought about there is actually one book um that i've started reading give me one second um it's this book um by a brilliant writer called yuval noah harari so he's written books called sapiens and homo deus and 21 21 lessons for the 21st century this is awesome um and i'd really really recommend it it's totally mind-blowing um, Sapiens is the book I read first from Yuval and he is more or less a history of mankind. Um, I read it slowly because it was fantastic. So yeah, when everyone's got a bit of time on their hands, this is possibly another one I'd really recommend. Um, and again, as usual, uh, I know I didn't mention it yesterday, so apologies. Um, you can obviously follow me on all of the, um, the channels. Um, and yeah, as always, please feel free just to follow amplify, share um, the Noah's Ark message as well. Noah's Ark are the um, children's hospice up in Northwest London, doing a fantastic job. They've got some funding shortfalls at the moment. Please feel free to do whatever you can if it's by way of donation or spreading a word. Um, just very quickly, Idea Egypt, can I buy your book as a PDF online? Yes, yeah, so if you just go to Amazon, um, you can get it as a um, uh, Kindle or ebook, and then you can also look at it and listen to it on Audible if you need as well. Thanks everybody for joining. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Football Law, read my blogs, and listen to my previous podcasts via my website, danielg.com forward slash blogs. Please do subscribe to the Dundee Football Podcast, like, share, and tag me. If you like the content, if not my voice, you'll probably also like my book, Dundee, an insider's guide to football contracts, multi-million pound transfers, and Premier League big business. A bit of a mouthful. It's available to buy in hard copy, digitally, and via Audible. All links are in the podcast show notes. Lastly, the podcast is powered by 13 which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research and particularly the stellar work done by John Krell 
who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years. You can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word and go to 13shop.co.uk. That's 13shop.co.uk. Thanks for listening.